Hi, and welcome to Toby and Friends, the virtual campfire for knowledge sharing. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Sadly, Confucius never had a podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to share knowledge with friends. No agenda, no sponsors, just coming up with solutions to the most pressing problems of our modern times. Do you have a question for Toby or his guests? Email tobyrookard at substack.com or put your question in the comments. Now, welcome to Toby and Friends. Hey, Pete, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Toby. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're uh, speaking again after uh, a great call last week and um, that you agreed uh, very quickly, uh, you know, to, to put this into a podcast because, frankly speaking, food, I personally believe, is uh, something of incredible value, not just for uh, these, but also coming generations. And it may not be as uh, self-explanatory uh, as it was in, 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 in prior generations. Like my grandmother used to know how to grow all the food. And uh, when I wrote this article, Realign with Nature, and, um, and basically uh, a follow-up article on, on you know, how to uh, think about uh, future food supplies, um, uh, UB uh, came uh, to mind um, um, from the time when I when I lived in New Zealand and when I saw it the first time. And funny enough, there we both connect on LinkedIn just a few days later, and um, now we have this great podcast. I hope so. Yeah, great. Well, thanks so much for the connection, and I'm really looking forward to the chat. So, so Pete, let's start with the obvious. There are a lot of O's in the UB. So, so what do they actually stand for? Well, yeah, there's four O's, B-Y. So it stands for Out of Our Own Backyards. Okay. It's an acronym that explains that the, the food is coming from locally, uh, but also it, it, it leans towards that we're, we're producing the food ourselves. We're not being reliant on food coming from some large corporate centralized system where we're able to to look after ourselves in our own in our own environment in our own backyard i think this was uh, in the past it was quite common i mean if you had a house you had a back backyard and you were growing at least a few potatoes just for the sake of examples um but um you know it it has i and i re remember my grandmother actually she said look um, and this was right after the Second World War um, in, in Germany, they used to grow a lot of their own food, um, not just, you know, in order to know what they're eating, but uh, simply because it was, a, it was a pricey matter. I mean, if you could do it yourself, you could save a lot of money. Um, and um, I only realized this later. Um, but back to the point, local, home, self-grown. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and what's the idea here? Do you do you then facilitate that this is being shared with neighbors or or is this really you know for own consumption? Maybe you can share a little bit more. Yeah, so the business model it began the idea started in 2008. Mm -hmm. And the original concept was how can we encourage more people to grow food in their own backyards, literally in gardens. Mm -hmm. uh, and the catalyst for that idea was the 2008 GFC, because I had a business, the global financial crisis. I had a business that was affected uh, directly by that global financial crisis. And 
I made me think um, about food resilience, and which then made me, you know, led to this idea of post World War II and other times when society has been in very volatile and vulnerable places, how much food production, home home produced food, became sort of the safety net, or it became the baseline of how people could uh, protect and, 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 and provide for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it became obvious that we, these days, are so detached from the concept of producing our own food, more so than we've ever been, uh, which makes us incredibly vulnerable. When we started, we started as a social network for food growers to connect with each other online to share tips and ideas and to you know motivate each other and just create a, a community um and what we discovered was that there are a lot of people growing their own food but way way more people who just wanted to be able to access that food mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't have the time or the inclination or the space or whatever to grow their own food but there's a real demand for good food that they that was is local and uh, that they can trust, mm -hmm. and that the biggest challenge for making this food production uh, a way to be able you know to making it viable mm -hmm. was there wasn't really a way for trading that food, and so we mm -hmm. set Ubi up as a platform for being able to trade uh, locally grown, ecologically sound um, food, small scale food. I think this probably has has quite a few uh, startup challenges because you you are essentially building a, at least a two-sided marketplace right of the people who grow and produce the food and yeah. the others who who want it and and purely from a business model that's always hard because you know you can only really get the other side on board when you have the first one on board which is very hard to tell who is who sometimes <laughs> uh, so yeah i i i yeah. i think you know you you would have been uh, through quite a journey and and probably have some valuable uh, valuable lessons for the listeners um, in that respect uh, as well but you mentioned two important keywords you said vulnerable and resilience i think you know that's yeah. at least that's what i picked up on uh, I, I think there's a don't you think that the vulnerability nowadays is even more than in the last big financial crisis com compared to, you know, say 10 or 20 years ago? So, so I think that's that's one aspect. And, Absolutely. And, and the other aspect on the resilience side is I, I also feel that that the mental resilience of people in general, I'm, I'm generalizing, um, has really taken a hit, uh, you know, with these uh, global lockdowns and fears and a lot of uncertainty really i would say um in 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 every aspect of life um that the that the past three years have have brought us or four years almost so i think you know the basic food supply food quality and um also the affordability aspect um is something that can keep people very grounded so so i i definitely support your mission so so, um, what, but why do you think, you know, it may also be relevant in a, how can I say, or do you, let me put it this way. Do you think that people can really only be sovereign individuals if they know how to grow their own food? It's a bold statement, but what do you think? 
Well, if you're thinking of from an individual point of view, then yes. But I think that sovereignty doesn't have to be individual. Mm -hmm. You can have a sovereign family, you can have a sovereign village, you can have collections of people who together have agreements where they are able to stand independently. Mm -hmm. um, and so within that, within that unit, that food production is is absolutely key at the base at the base level you know even if it's just a redundancy capacity mm. um we obviously have access to so much low cost food these days through the centralized supply chains mm. um that it's it doesn't necessarily make sense to not eat from that mm. but i think that but for real resilience is the capacity to produce a food and the knowledge, the know-how to produce a food and the tools and, and the skills and so on, having them present, available, uh, is, is really key to, to sovereignty. Okay. And you mentioned something very important, uh, the unit. So even within a unit, there is some trading or some exchange or some forms of give and take that happens right and there may be some people who are born farmers others you know uh, they're born healers just for the sake of example so i i think you know there is definitely yeah. this uh, this aspect of utilizing one's skills and abilities and experience um to the best of of whatever unit you know uh, is 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 locally mostly mostly benefiting from it so I, I i think that's a very important point um i think that's also where local plays an important role so i i buy a lot of stuff in in supermarkets still and and so on and i appreciate the the global supply change and the uh, chains and flexibility you know to get a lot of stuff uh, from all over the wo world basically into my little village and into my even much smaller home however having said this um, and and we've seen this not necessarily so much with uh, food supplies, but be there a financial crisis, be there a pandemic, be there a war. If there is any major event in the world, such centralized supply chains can really be disrupted. And 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 this is this is a this yeah. is obviously a concern that locally probably won't be won't be as big of an issue if 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 you know a farmer who has a few cows who can eventually give you milk right i mean just for the sake of example and the same applies right. to growing your own food um i think that's very important i think also the stability of of cost uh, in that local food production is way different than if you have to you know fly it all uh, all across the planet and and perhaps even add stuff in just to keep it uh, fresh, right? I, I think these are also aspects to consider. Exactly. So absolutely, I, you know. Mm -hmm. Sorry, just in, in response to the point you made there. Is I think there's degrees to which you can look at sovereignty um, and and vulnerability um, within the the current global context. The I think you know the the aim that what we're working on now is making it much more accessible and much more affordable to start accessing your food from farms and market gardens and so forth nearby that have got the capacity mm. to produce a decent amount of food. Mm -hmm. um, and that's your that's 
no, it, it, so rather than working buying from centralized systems, it's like how can we start to access decentralized food production, um, and that's like the first step okay. in 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 building a sort of really resilient food security is moving from centralized to decentralized, and then the redundancy step or the or the sort of the the, the next step would be okay, how can we start producing ourselves? But if all you're doing to begin with is just moving your your food budget from a centralized uh, food supply to a decentralized food supply, you're helping to build that economy that can withstand so many more of the global sort of geopolitical or economic or whatever shocks. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. as a decentralized system, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's uh, it's got way fewer uh you know attack vectors so to speak there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are it's it's way less vulnerable um because it's 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 made up of independent nodes um that okay. can form a much larger network you can you can have a decentralized food system that can cover you know have contiguous coverage over a whole country or mm -hmm. over a whole region mm -hmm. but there there's no there, there's very few sort of central weak spots which can derail the whole system which at the moment I think is a big part of the the vulnerability that we have is that you know there's there's massive food supply chains that mm -hmm. um, you know if they're disrupted can have enormous effects on availability of food. I think availability is one aspect. I think also the the aspect I wouldn't call it the purity, but you know how to say the the transparency of what's inside the food is also a bit of an issue. I, I read a story, it's probably a couple of months or so ago, um, where uh, a Romanian, um, I think it was wheat production, very large scale wheat production, um, which, you know, was was shipped um, around the world. And, and they worked many, many decades, you know, to, to get a certain brand and, and quality and, and respect for their produce um, was actually uh, through a small and simple matter, I, I'm going to look it up and send it to you later, um, really disrupted and, and, and basically I think it was a, a gene um, modification of some sort um, that the buyers of this produce essentially said we're not going to take it anymore. And there's a vast difference if this happens in the case of one farm or if this is in the case of a centralized uh, uh, large scale uh, system um, it then affects you know so many others and and you don't really know and by the way today you don't really know what's inside the food anyway when i researched uh, my last article uh, on that i i was surprised you know that you can now have all sorts of insect baked into bread um, in the form of some sort of flour um, as per the latest uh, European Union uh, legislation, absolutely okay. When 20 years ago, you would have said this this can't really be right. <laughs> so I think, I, yeah. I don't think my local farmer would do that, just as an example. Uh, I mean, I don't see the incentive there. No. You know? <laughs> There's no incentive there. There's disincentives for that, for local small-scale producers to do those sorts of things. You know, a, a, a small scale producer uh, is operating at a scale where the the benefits of these shortcuts don't add up to much at all, if mm. anything. And mm. so, the, but the cost of these shortcuts, um, there's a far a far shorter 
uh, a direct feedback loop. I mean, yes. you know, as, as, a, as a farmer selling to their own local community, mm. their reputation is, is front and centre and the most uh, important thing for them to protect and yeah. to uphold because they've got a whole lifetime that they need to maintain that reputation and yeah. they're not hiding behind uh, lots and lots of links in a supply chain where their reputation is is obscured. So small-scale, ecologically sound food producers, I mean, it's interesting, small-scale food producers are naturally, inherently biased toward ecologically sound food producers. Naturally, yes, makes sense. Uh, because they really don't benefit, they really don't benefit from um, a lot of the conventional inputs and so forth that large-scale uh, food production benefits from. And um, the other part of it is that they're far more intimate with the land that they work because they, they live on that land, they work mm -hmm. that land, mm -hmm. and they understand the natural ecology, mm -hmm. uh, they're intimate with that natural ecology, and so they're biased toward looking after that ecosystem. I don't think you so have to explain a, them. It's a very it's, different yeah. way of perceiving I, I would agree that you don't have to explain them sustainability. I mean, if they don't have it sustainable, you oh. know, they, I mean, at the end of the day, they're ruining their own uh, future rewards, I mean, so to speak. And and the same is true, as you said, uh, with the community, the reputation is front and center. Everybody knows everyone within a certain local area. And uh, you, you simply can't afford to mess this up even beyond your own generation, <laughs> just for, 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 for oh. that example. So I think on the quality side, on the availability side and on the affordability side, a lot speaks uh, uh, towards that locally grown um, and exchanged and shared food. Um, and, and also the logistics yeah. are not as hard, I mean, to get it to the right person at the right time without it being spoiled and so on. Now, one thing that I'm really not sure about is how the legislation of this will, will and, and I mean, there are, I have some questions in terms of taxation, um, commercialization, uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, like, take, let's take Airbnb, for example, right? I mean, you have maybe you have yep. a few rooms left in, in your house or you're renting the entire flat, just as an example, um, because you don't need it, right? Um, then it's very clear there's a price for that and people rate you for this um, and other guests, future guests can see the comments that others left, etc. But it's still the same flat. Now, if you bought a vegetable last mm. week, it's probably a different vegetable in a couple of weeks, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that somebody else buys maybe from the same farmer. Uh, just as an example, how do you at uh, UV uh, work with this um, kind of challenges? First, the legislation side. Uh, uh, is there any legislation or can people simply share, um, exchange food? Second, how is the commercialization side? I mean, can they charge for it? And, and, and then if so, um, you know, how does the rating work? Do they, you know, do they have to declare taxes for that. I mean, if you can share a little bit on your model, that'll be great. Yeah, so our model is is focused primarily on uh, small-scale food producers that actually run their operation as a business. Got it. Okay, mm -hmm. so most of the food that is traded on the Ubi platform is food that is produced by small-scale farmers that you would see at a farmer's market, 
mm-hmm. or that might be selling direct to their local restaurants or cafes or whatever. So they they are operating as a business. Mm-hmm. They may do some some bartering on the side with neighbors and so forth, but they're predominantly focusing on how can I make a living by by producing and selling food. Mm-hmm. And so therefore they have to comply with all the regulatory standards of being a food producer. Anyway, yep. If they're a vegetable grower, it's way lower regulations than if you're a meat producer, for example. Mm-hmm. But they are responsible for satisfying their regulatory you know, requirements. Okay. Um, in terms of in terms of commercialization, like the tax and so forth, again, the you know, it needs to be treated like any other any other commercial business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what Ubi does as a model is mm-hmm. we just provide uh, the digital infrastructure mm-hmm. for these independent food producers to be able to sell direct to the to local households, to local businesses. And we facilitate all the sales, the transactions and the logistics. Mm-hmm. But we don't we we don't get in between the the producer and the customer. Okay. In fact, the the customer pays the producer directly. Very they deep. can use do it via a card, or they can do it via cash, uh, and the producer sells it to the customer directly. We don't interface with the producer's customers at all. So you don't take. We a just cut. provide the platform. Okay, so you don't take. A we cut. do take a cut. Okay. Mm-hmm. We do take a cut, but mm-hmm. we take it at the end of the month. And where we just charge a percentage of the sales that that producer made using the system. Okay. But we don't step in between in the right. sense that there's, we, our relationship is just with uh, the producer or, or what we call the hub. Got it. Um, and then they have the relationship with the customer. So it's, it's actually technically not a two-sided marketplace. Maybe on the marketing side it is, but from a business model point of view, the only customer you really have um, is the food producer. It's, you know, it's certainly not the end customer, though the end customer is, is using so- software from you, like an online shop or it, so, so it is a, a bit of yeah, a, so it yeah. is a marketplace. It's, it's a different, you know, and what I've given you there is a very simplified version. In actual mm-hmm. fact, it's a three-sided market. Yeah. That's what I, exactly. in reality, yeah. Where the way it really works is that there's three components to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. There is the supplier or the producer, so the person who is growing the food mm-hmm. at one end. At the other end is the consumer, the person who's eating the food. Right. And then there is a function that happens in between, and that is an aggregation function. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you might be a farmer that produces some beans and some broccoli and some sprouts and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, courgette and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but your customer wants more than just what you right. produce. And he they also want like potatoes, yeah. corn and onions. Yeah, got it. So so as a, as a producer, you can not only supply producer food, but you can also become an aggregation point for other farms in, the, in your area mm-hmm. to be able to sell through. Mm-hmm. Right, so you 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 facilitate the or you you act as the role of the hub, right, right. the aggregation point, so that the customer not only can buy the food that you're producing, but bundled up with the food that you produce, they're buying their eggs, their bread, their milk, right. uh, their coffee, their you know their uh, any and, and and all sorts of fresh produce, their meat. So the customer experience is I'm doing a grocery shopping 
yeah. a local grocery shopping yep. experience. But I'm buying it through a local farm and that local farm is acting as an aggregation hub, maybe right. on a in a barn on their farm mm-hmm. where the food is coming into that aggregation mm-hmm. of their own fields as well as mm-hmm. up other fields and out mm-hmm. of other kitchens. And then it's bundled up and it's sold to me. So from, from our point of view, Mm-hmm. We, we, the first step for us is finding the farms that want to operate as hubs, as food. Yeah, hubs. because it's a multiplier for you, right? Big multiplier, and, yeah. Right, right. And then we talk to them, and then we get, and they see the value of of, of running their operation on the Ubi platform, mm-hmm. and then they bring their customers, and they bring their suppliers, mm-hmm. and so there are three components together. So just on that. Um, you, I, I remember I, I, I saw your business the first time when I was living in New Zealand on this small but most beautiful place on the planet, Wahiki Island. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously yeah. now I know you're in the UK and, and you've expo- expanded quite a bit. Where in the world are you available right now? So we have uh, operations happening in, in New Zealand still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in Auckland and Christchurch, in Sydney and Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the UK is where most of the activity is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, here in the UK, there is around mm-hmm. 10,000 households a day, you know, a week receiving food uh, from okay. local farmers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we're, really not, we're really not restricted by borders. You know, we, the, the model can operate anywhere. Yeah, I mean, the system that you've built is this three-sided marketplace, all the processes behind that you have explained um, and, and the advantages associated with it for the, for the growers, the buyers and, and, the, and the hubs, essentially, um, is certainly something, you know, that, that hits the nail on the head, I believe, at this particular point in time. So your, I, I know your journey has been many years, I think well over a decade by now, but I, I do believe that perhaps all great things just, you know, they're considered an overnight success, but they just take a lot of time. Just like growing food, isn't it? It's not going to happen overnight as well. Um, but um, if somebody would want to, you know, take on another country, how would you work with such a person? For instance, you know, I, I, I'm right now, I'm currently in Switzerland and, um, and I, I have to say there are, there's a lot of uh, local f- farms that uh, produce food, but even... Uh, in neighboring countries like Austria, uh, uh, Germany, Italy, France, it's, it's more or less the same thing, right? So if, if anybody who listens to this mm. says, look, I, I'd be really keen to, you know, build that up in, in my region or in my country, um, I think you almost have a franchise concept to take this to other countries or other regions. Yeah, there is a model. There is a model and there is a method to to starting it in a, in a, in a new region. I mean, we have a lot of experience and so we've identified the, the key actions that need to happen and the key skill sets that are required in order to build it up within a region. Um, so yes, there's, there is a, there's a method that we can help to facilitate. And we do have interest from new regions where people have approached us and said, look, you know, we, uh, we are in Norway, uh, yeah. we are yes. we are focused on the same principles as as you are, are working with and we'd love to work together how do we do it and so we we work with them or we're in south africa and we've connected with this network of farms and we want to get something going how do we do it 
And so we then have conversations. Uh, and in each instance, you know, there are slight differences, but it's, I think it's very, it's, it's very doable. So, so how do you, how do you approach this? Because, or maybe just share a little bit of your learnings over the years, like what has worked particularly well, um, what has not worked, what difficulties to expect, because I mean, you've been doing this for over a decade and I imagine like if somebody came along and said, I want to do this here in Switzerland or, or I want to do this in Norway, whatever, right? Um, they're gonna easily make the same mistakes that you did five years ago, right? I mean, that easily can happen. Um, and and when do you think from when onwards this becomes also sort of financially attractive or or interesting beyond the the deeper purpose and meaning behind it, obviously? So I, I think the, the three questions like, um, what's the timeline somebody needs to look at if they want to make something like this success in in a in a say a smaller country second what are the you know hiccups to look out for and third which was which has been proven to work really well i think that would be very interesting well i think in terms of a timeline you you're best to think that it could take three to five years before mm. it's really established mm -hmm. you may be able to do it sooner than that mm -hmm. but i think if you set your expectation that this will take time to establish but once it's established, it's it's a it's a very solid, uh, very fundamental service that will 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 stay for the long haul and continue to grow because the site the, the food market is is enormous, mm -hmm. um, and so if it can just continue to make incremental um, advances of market share, then it it, it it's uh, you know very a very solid business. Totally. Uh, but I would be thinking medium term, medium term. Having time to, and the reason is because the the first thing you need to do is you need to build trust with farmers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And farmers are slow to trust. They'll, yes. They 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 not they, they you win them for life. They're not or willing you to just them. buy the next yep. thing. That you yep. yep, yep. So you have to take your time to build the trust, and then and then as you build the trust of your first your first sort of uh, cohort of farmers. And then on the back of their trust, you will garner more trust. Mm -hmm. But steady, steady, steady as you go. Mm -hmm. um, the, 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 the things to look out for, I think one of them is don't try to go too quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and don't think that if you spend a lot of money up front that you're going to be able to really accelerate mm -hmm. uh, the success. It's mm -hmm. in, in, interesting an analogy is with organic food, mm -hmm. you know, you're not putting in these fertilizers and, and, and synthetics to help them to grow quafasi. Mm -hmm. you, you allow nature to take its course. Mm -hmm. In a similar way, you want to build the foundations of this model in a, in a, in a, in a way that is on a, a, on a time scale that's natural. Yeah, the philosophy, um, philosophy which means the business you, and the growing should align. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You, you know, it, it is, it's an extension of a natural system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what we're working on is how do we, how do we help uh, to facilitate the adoption of food that is grown naturally, that is grown locally, uh, but in, in the modern, in the modern marketplace mm -hmm. where, mm -hmm. where, you know, people want to be able to trade using their phones and so forth. Um, so I think the, 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 the things to firstly is when building a system, 
because there are so many different edge cases when you're dealing with perishable food yes and yes. so many different edge cases when you're dealing with you know individual households mm -hmm. uh, and their their dietary requirements and this mm -hmm. and that um a system an actual digital or, or software system mm -hmm. it it actually needs to be quite complex in order to handle and and deal with all the edge cases in the back so, end of yeah. And until it reaches, has to be simple. until it reaches a certain, yeah, exactly, it has to be complex in order yeah. to make it work simply, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And until it reaches a certain threshold or a certain critical mass, it really doesn't solve the problem. And so what we struggled with was we mm -hmm. we had to keep keep iterating and keep iterating on the software for years before we actually had a solution that was replicable. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. that solution was actually quite comprehensive. Um, so I would say that a, a, a pitfall is is to assume that oh well, there's not much to it. I just we'll just go have an e-commerce platform and and we'll just have a, like a, a logistics delivery routing system and and we'll sort of compile it together and away it goes. That that's one thing is um, now fortunately we've done all that work and so the digital product is is now mature enough to be able to replicate out and it's it's stable it's 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 very robust, um, but it also as as establishing within a certain region, there's not a lot that you need to do in terms mm -hmm. of there's not a lot of difference you need to do you just need mm -hmm. to stay focused on the things that really do matter mm -hmm. right and the focus is on. Is the focus is on building a relationship with the with the first farmers that you're mm -hmm. providing the system to. Yes, and folk and, and listening to them and making sure that they are satisfied. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. keep you know make sure that they're satisfied. Help them solve the problems. Help them with what they need to understand and mm -hmm. what they need to do in order to make their business a success. And then that will that will be kind of your your trim tab or your leverage point through which you then grow the the community of farmers on the on the platform. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having lots of fancy marketing ideas and, and and so forth can be very distracting. Can be very you know you can you can end up spending a lot of money on a lot of different things. Yeah, I but think really yeah. <laughs> bring it down to focus on the farmer. Focus on that farmer and make sure that um, that farmer is happy and successful, and it will it will build up from there. Fantastic! Look, look, this is this is really helpful. I think there could be quite a a, a few people um, listening to this and and perhaps even thinking about a career change or or a new opportunity, um, and um, especially as it's so timely and and so so purposeful, really. Um, it's a basic requirement, um, not just from a sovereignty point of view, but also just from a pure life uh, point of view. So um, very interesting. Uh, thank you for sharing so much openly. If there is a, if there are requests uh, directed to me, I'll be happy to forward them to you. Um, and um, one personal uh, curiosity I have, wh what do you think needs to happen so that people can actually buy their food um, with Bitcoin? Ah well, I mean it's 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 doable now, mm -hmm. you know. As it's it's not streamlined in the system, but you can purchase food from your from different uh, from different farms using multiple different payment methods. Um, so there's a way that it could be facilitated. 
I think that that is something that we 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 will be attending to is the ability for uh, transactions to happen in that way. It's funny, just as a finishing uh, note, uh, on Waiheke Island, when we first got started in uh, delivering boxes in about 2010, I think it was 2011 maybe, by the time Andrew Watkins, one of our first customers, mm -hmm. said to me, can I buy my can I buy my boxes with Bitcoin? <laughs> and I was like, sure, yeah, you can buy your boxes with Bitcoin. And I think it'll work out at something like three Bitcoin per box at the time. Oh my god! It's like, yeah, we can do that. And so I was like, okay, so you know, and we we talked about setting it up. You so still have those Bitcoin Bitcoins, and... or you don't have them anymore? No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't do it. Because it was like, oh, it's too much of a technical issue. Yeah. Da, 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 nah. And so when we ended up not doing it, but so funny because had we done that, yeah, we'd have had been right on the cutting that. edge. But we, but there's a there's a purpose yeah. behind the Boxes. question, and, and, and just as a as a as a closing yeah. idea, I think when you grow local food, when you when you deliver locally, um, like the place that I live in, it's it's the it's, it used to be the smallest republic in the world, actually even though it's within Switzerland. And they still have a, a separate coin, yeah. which you can use to buy stuff in the local stores. It's, it's not a Swiss franc, it's a separate right. coin. So I think, you know, and, and I have seen the same in, in, a, in a German city. So I think there are some places, villages, cities, local communities that have their own type of currency. I asked for Bitcoin, but it could be gold, silver, or it could be, you know, some other coin that they have associate value with. And that was the background of the question, really. Yeah, and we do have, there is another currency that is built into the Ubi system called rubies. So there's also, it's, it's our own internal currency, which is Fantastic. another fascinating term. That will, I will look that up immediately. If you send me some information, I'll include it in the article. Well, this was super. Hey, Pete, thank you so much. And let's catch up soon. Okay, tremendous, Toby. Great speaking with you. I look forward to talking soon. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining this episode of Toby and Friends. Have a question? Want to share your knowledge? Let us know in the comments. And reminder, premium subscribers get access to all Toby and Friends videos. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Toby and Friends.